Truth News Network. A president responds to a critic. I don't want to hear any more of these lies about reckless spending. We're changing people's lives. Yeah. Gas at an all-time high, shortages in everything from construction supplies, hygiene products, to food? Well, as we all said more than a president ago, you can keep the change. And in a crisis, the first casualty is usually the truth. So strap in. You're with TNN, the Truth News Network, and Dan Newman. And with facts and with truth. That's what we bring to the table today for you at TNN Live, Truth News Network. That's what we do. We go find the stuff that some people think or they portray it in the news media as being questionable. They also sometimes just ignore it because it doesn't fit a political narrative, that of the left. And so they either make stories up, they don't report about stories, and we're left hanging out there. You know, it's interesting if you are a regular here at Teen and Live, and thank you so much for joining us here today and every day. You know who Pete Moss is, the voice that you just heard. He is the voice of TNN Live. He's a very conservative guy. He creates all of these openings. We don't write them and send them to Chicago for him to record for us. He's a very active conservative. Now, he lives in a different world. He's not from the South. He is from up there. And so here's a guy that's very successful in business, been in radio and television at the national level his entire career. So he's exposed to it all. And yet somehow this guy looks at things objectively and he comes up with entirely different conclusions than do those on the left in this country. He too stands outside and looks up at the sky sometime like I do. And I've said this more than once when I'm standing outside. What the heck is going on? How do these people come up with these thoughts and ideas? We don't see any of this stuff that leads to these kind of conclusions. Where are they getting it? It does not come from nature. It does not come from heaven. It comes from watching and listening and reading the spewing of venom coming from the left. They perfected the art of doing so. They control everything in our government. You realize that. They, clo- they, they control the White House. They control the House. They control the Senate. They control every department under this president. Every cabinet member, every one of them is over a department. And the left controls every one of those. The left controls our vice president. And they control the legislative process. They also are the ones that have the sole power to rein in any official in the federal government that is doing things that are out of the bounds of the constitutional oath and commitments that they made to get the gig they have. And this Congress, who does it want to hold responsible for massive inflation, for the prices of everything going up, our supply chain being just obliterated, We still can't get baby formula. All those kinds of things. This body, the Congress, has the sole authority to address and be held responsible for all these things. The president answers to the people. It's not the other way around. It's not okay for Joe Biden to pontificate and blast Americans for disagreeing with him. He works for us. 
We don't work for him. And he does not have unilateral power. One of the biggest things that needs to be changed, and it's there, it's at the Supreme Court. It's regarding the power of the Environmental Protection Agency and the ruling that we hope comes out today about that reigning in of power that the EPA has. We hope that the Supreme Court says nobody that's not in an elected position In other words, they're a bureaucrat, a policymaker, somebody that is hired, not elected. They don't have unilateral authority to make rules for the government. Even somebody that is not a member of the lawmaking body in government, but is powerful, somebody like uh, the president, that person does not have unilateral power to craft laws or issue executive orders that are to be considered laws, which they're not, and there's no constitutional basis for having them. Congress created the process of executive orders. Congress did that, but they didn't do it through making laws. They just made it a policy. Now, why would they do that? Because it can't be challenged. Well, it is being challenged through an attack or a going after the Environmental Protection Agency for having too much power that does not come from the government. There's so much insanity going on right now. It's almost impossible to keep up with. It's actually a full-time gig. And I, I thank every one of you to come here every day because you're coming here to get a spark of information that's not just blurred with all of the political punditry that we have to digest if we look at any mainstream media today. I'm going to start the show. I wasn't going to do this. I just decided I'm going to start the show with an exact example of this. The Late Show. The Late Show. Probably the lowest rated and probably the most uh, uh, undigestible of those late night shows, talk shows. Wanda Sykes was on last night. Do you know who Wanda is? African-American, lesbian. I can't say it any other way, folks. She's a comedian, and she gets into politics, and when she does, it's, it's way over her head. She talks and pontificates about things. She doesn't have any idea. She doesn't. But the reason I'm about to let you listen to a couple of minutes of her joining the show last night, late night, is I want you to listen to what she says and her definition of what happened in the overturn of Roe v. Wade by the Supreme Court. And I'm doing this to illustrate a point to you. On the late show last night, here's Wanda Sykes. The country, it's no longer a democracy, right? I mean, we're, it's, no, it's no longer majority rule. No, certainly no, not right? in the Senate, certainly yeah. not in the representation it's, of the it's, Supreme it's Court. Not, yeah. It's not, it's no longer majority rule. And, and I mean, it's like the, these judges, they just, I, they, they basically lied when they were, you know, being, during their confirmation hearings, right? right. Yeah. Especially Kavanaugh. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to pause. You hear that massive applause in the crowd. That means the people that are in there agreed with what you just heard Wanda Sykes claim. Those judges, they just lied in their confirmation hearings. They just lied. 
Where does Wanda Sykes get that? Do you actually think that she sat and watched the confirmation hearings and she heard it all? No. And nobody that was applauding what she said in that theater in New York. None of them had watched them. If they did, they would have known what Wanda Sykes just alleged wasn't something that she ferreted out for herself. It's something she heard. The mainstream media sycophants speaking And because they said those things, she feels like what they said was accurate. Kavanaugh, Nargos Gorsuch, nor Amy Coney Barrett, the three that were appointed, nominated by Donald Trump, none of them lied. None of them lied in their confirmation hearings. Here's what the only thing that they are trying to latch a hold of was a conversation, actually two conversations about the same thing. One with Republican Senator Susan Collins and the other with Democrat Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia. And everybody, you hear it all the time if you watch any of these confirmation hearings. They want to know what these nominees are going to do about Roe v. Wade. Well, a judge at any level that is about to be considered for any court position is prohibited from sharing their personal political position on any issue whatsoever. And everybody knows why it's supposed to be that way and why it's always through the history of the court. It's been handled that way, but yet they, the ones on the left, they still every time they just have a talking point list. What? What if? What? If, what's your belief on abortion? What's your belief on the Second Amendment? They go right down the line. They can't answer in an entire explanation of their thoughts because they're not uh, being nominated and confirmed to serve any political purpose. The Supreme Court is not political, and if it ever becomes political. You can kiss America goodbye. We're gone. We're done because we don't need a Supreme Court if politics decides all the issues of the day. And as you heard Wanda Sykes at the beginning of that, those on the left feel like because Roe v. Wade was overturned, there's no democracy in America. It used to be majority rule, but it's not. Well, guess what? You need to get educated, Miss Sykes, and so does every member of the audience and the host of late night on CBS because this nation was never founded to be a democracy. In a democracy, there are two democracy, democratic, really democratic nations that I know of in the world, Norway and Finland. Do you know those democracies? Do you know what that means? Every time there's an issue that needs to be resolved in an election, as an example, Guess what happens? Every citizen of the country votes on every single federal issue, every single region issue, and every single city-town issue in an election. It's one vote, one person. Our forefathers knew because of the expanse of this nation. They knew we were going to go west. They knew we weren't just going to sit on the east coast that we were a bunch of pioneers, our great, 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 great grandparents. They were going to expand and grow and there were going to be 
lots of other people spread across the nation. It would be implausible to try to center all our government in one geographical place. We needed to have government of people that are from all of the areas of this nation. And it's called a representative republic. Our government is run by a group of representatives that the people themselves determine are going to be those that go to Washington, D.C. and represent us on crafting laws, on dealing with government oversight. It was never to be majority rule. And if it ever gets there, Wanda, you're toast. We all are. Continue with this. You be a Supreme Court justice and you just and you just lying. You know what? They had their fingers crossed or something or what? I mean, mm-hmm. it's yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's just it's just a bunch of horse. Shit. It really. What they're talking about lying is Brett Kavanaugh. Brett Kavanaugh was asked specifically if he felt that Roe v. Wade was settled law. There was a precedent that settled Roe v. Wade, and his answer was yes. Now, let me break that down for you. Every rendering of opinions of any Supreme Court, when it comes out, it becomes the interpretation that that interpretation becomes the law of that matter. So anything that is out there, if it's come through the Supreme Court before, it's the law. Now, does that mean that's till Jesus comes or the world is, is just blown into whatever? No, it can be changed by the court. Oh man, you you just can't you just can't overturn Roe v. Wade. That never happens. The court never does that. If it's settled precedent, that's the way it's supposed to be in perpetuity. If you weren't with us yesterday, let me remind you, the United States Supreme Court before Roe v. Wade was overturned last Friday, they had overturned their previous decisions the past courts have made 223 times. It happens as life changes. It happens as the world changes and the impact on every part of our life in the nation changes. You can't keep everything exactly the same and you can't have a bunch of politicians that are sitting up there every morning first thing they do they make a few phone calls and check on their big contributors and those big contributors might say hey you know what this piece of legislation is coming up we sure would like it if you'd consider it this way or that way they can't do that And most of them don't do it. They literally, what they do is they walk outside, lick their finger, stick it up in the air to see which way the legislation winds are blowing that day. And that determines what and how they're going to vote on stuff. I'm not lying. The sticking the finger up in the air may be an exaggeration, but they're checking every day to find out what the winds of politicization are to make sure they're in the right groove They're right in the middle of their party and what the party ideal wants done. Kind of like 50 plus illegal immigrants suffocating in the back of that truck because nobody's enforcing federal immigration law. We'll get into more of that in just a minute, but back to Wanda. Well, 
last stand. What, go ahead. Wait, no, please, ma'am. No. Um, it, it, well, to me, it's like the problem is that middle stuff. It's, it's those states in the middle, that, that, that red stuff. Mm -hmm. why, why do they get to tell us what to do when the majority of us live out, you know, New York, California, and we're paying for all this crap, really? I mean, right? Yeah. We're, we're yes. footing the bill. Well, that's, that's the union. It, it's yeah. supposed to be representative democracy, but it turns out to be minority rule right now. Right, right. But if we fit in the bill, you know, and, and, and like California, if it were a country, it'd be what, the, like the fifth largest, yeah. fourth, fifth largest economy. So if, you know, if I'm fitting the bill, know your position. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you, know, you know, for real. Like, look, if I say, hey, let's go out to dinner, you don't get to pick the restaurant. Just shut up and eat. <laughs> Your last, your last special was called Not Normal. Right. Which is how you were describing sort of the upsetting nature <laughs> of, of the country. What, what, <sighs> how, how do things, how, how is the normal now? Well I, well, I was way off the mark, huh? I thought that was not normal. You jumped this the gun. This crazy. I jumped the gun. Yeah. I, ju I, I guess, uh, if, I think things would be normal, like, if uh, people, especially elected officials who tried to overthrow an election if they went to jail, that would feel normal, I think. Yeah. And there you have it in a nutshell. You heard what the left is all about. It doesn't matter what laws there are. It doesn't matter what you were elected to do. And it certainly doesn't matter what you said you were going to do or not going to do when you're campaigning. What you've got to do is you got to find the people like Wanda that got lots of money. And you got to listen to them because, as she said, they think they're paying for everything. Now, she's referencing California and New York. She was sitting in a theater in downtown New York last night, and she lives in California. People that never, never, except occasionally to go do a job or something, in her case, go do a stand-up routine, make some money. They never go to the Midwest. They never go to the Gulf South. Oh, they hear what the people in their party and the political pundits in the media say about us red state people. We're the scum of the earth, or as you heard her say, that stuff in the middle, the red, you know. We're paying for all this blankety blank. We should have total control on everything that happens. What she doesn't realize, California and New York together, and let's just even throw in Illinois, the three big states where there are tons of illegals. There are more, and not illegals. <laughs> That's a vernacular faux pas. Yeah, I think in many cases they're illegal. I think they're idiots too, but nevertheless, they don't even consider all of the American people and what goes on between those borders, I'm talking about California. And then when you go to Nevada, it's like they think you're going to outer space and nobody lives in that, that part of the world east of the California-Nevada border that has any sense until you get to western New York, maybe a little pocket up in Illinois. They actually think that. Those people that are in the middle of the nation, you know who they are, you know what they do? They create everything these people eat. 
California will tell you real quickly, oh man, we're a huge agriculture state, the biggest one in the nation. Absolutely they are. But most of what they do, they create, is exported. The world can't subsist on avocados. And as much as I like nuts, you can't live on that. You throw away Nebraska, Iowa, Kansas, Indiana, every state brings so many different diverse things to the table for all of us. It all is supposed to work together. And when government gets out of the way and takes their heavy hand off the scale, it always works best. We saw it during four years of Donald Trump. And I don't care if it's Donald Trump that comes back as the next president or not. It needs to be somebody that thinks based upon what the people need and what the people want first in every case. And if it's not Donald Trump, if it's somebody else, I'm fine with that. I have never and I will never vote for somebody because of their party affiliation. I'm never going to do that. I'm voting for a person and what they say and looking at their past life and determining based upon what they've done before, what they're probably going to do going forward. Donald Trump was the first president in my life that promised me a bunch when he was campaigning. But then when he, we elected him, he did it. Normally they say all that stuff and especially Biden and Obama. Oh, they promised the moon. We're going to undo all this. We're going to take control. We're going to govern with a phone. All those kind of things. And then when they get elected, they just go to whatever the party wants them to do. Do you think everything Joe Biden's done, he thought it up and he did it because he thought it up and thought it was good? He doesn't have a clue what 90% of the policies, the executive orders, the appointments that he's made, he has no idea what the substance of almost every one of them is and what those policies are doing to the American people. He thinks inflation was something that just dropped out of the sky, that nobody did anything to make it happen. It just happens. Every once in a while, the nation faces inflation. Every once in a while, the nation goes into a recession. And we just may, we may be in that mode right now. I guarantee you those thoughts go through his mind. That is why... He never accepts responsibility for anything bad that happens during his administration so far. And he learned that from Barack Obama. Obama did the exact same thing. Never took credit for anything negative that happened. A policy that he came up with himself. They went through money like it was nothing. And then laughed about it. They gave, away, they gave Solyndra half a billion dollars and Solyndra never sold the solar panel. How much of that half a billion did we get back? Not a dime. Who and where did all that money go? It went to big-time Democrat donors, people that Obama was obligated to, and it was quid pro quo. You support me when I'm campaigning, I'll support you in your business. We'll get you so much money you won't even be able to spend it all. And that was just one example. I, I, in the last three years, 
I've ridden right by the Solyndra building. It's right next, I mean, literally right on the interstate in Northern California. Still got the Solyndra sign on the side of the building. <laughs> and we paid half a billion dollars for that sign. There is no doubt there's big differences between conservatives and leftists. And those differences, we've never been able to see them as quickly and as broadly and as so much in your face as they are today. But looking ahead, let me just say this. Midterm elections coming up in a few months, I think the Democrats are in deep trouble. It was just a matter of time. It was just a matter of time before they realized they're actually sitting and riding in a sinking ship. The ship Biden set sail January 20th, 2021, headed for utopia. He was going to take us to heaven. Everything was going to be peachy keen. He was going to undo everything the evil orange man did. Unfortunately, that really old ship, the ship Biden, the ship had an inept ship captain who chose a route to the hope for a perfect land where everything works simply because everyone wants that, right? The Biden struck an iceberg. It's headed for a watery grave. And it has about 330 million passengers that are going down with the ship and the captain. Fortunately for some, a bunch of Biden passengers jump ship before getting sucked into oblivion. There's another political shift that's beginning to take hold across the nation. Tens of thousands of suburban swing voters who helped fuel the Democrat Party's gains in recent years, they're walking away from the Democrat Party, becoming Republicans. More than one million of them across 43 states have switched to the Republican Party over just the last year. And that's according to voter registration data analyzed by the Associated Press of all places. The previously unreported number reflects a phenomenon that is playing out in virtually every part of the country. Everywhere. Democrat and Republican states, along with cities and even small towns. And it's all been happening in the period since Joe Biden replaced Donald Trump. When you look back over your shoulder, does it really feel to you that it's only been two years? <laughs> Some days I wake up and I say, my gosh, it's almost like this guy's in his second term. But it's not. And I really don't think he's going to have a second one. Nowhere is the political shift that we're in the middle of more pronounced and dangerous for Democrats than in the suburbs. The suburbs are where well-educated swing voters who turned against Trump's Republican Party in recent years appear to be swinging back now. Over the last year, far more people are switching to the GOP across suburban counties from Denver to Atlanta and Pittsburgh and Cleveland. Republicans gain ground in counties around medium-sized cities like Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, Raleigh, North Carolina, Augusta, Georgia, Des Moines, Iowa, Ben Smith, he lives in suburban Larimer County, Colorado, that's north of Denver away. He said he reluctantly registered as a Republican earlier in the year after becoming increasingly concerned about 
the Democrats' support in some areas for those mandatory COVID-19 vaccines. The party's inability to quell violent crime and its frequent focus on racial justice. It's more a rejection of the left than embracing the right, Smith said. He's 37 years old. He's a professional counselor whose transition away from the Democrat Party began five or six years ago when he registered in Colorado as a libertarian. The Associated Press, not a very conservative news outlet, I think you will agree. They looked at nearly 1.7 million voters who had likely switched affiliations across 42 states, for which there's data over the last 12 months. That's according to L2, which is a political data firm. L2 uses a combination of state voter records and statistical modeling to determine party affiliation, meaning that the switchers include both those who have formally changed their registration and those who L2 estimates have shifted toward the GOP. Party switching isn't uncommon. In spite of that, the data shows a definite reversal from the period while Trump was in office when Democrats enjoyed a slight edge in the number of party switchers across the nation. But over the last year, two-thirds of the 1.7 million voters who changed their party shifted to the Republican Party. In all, more than one million people became Republicans compared to about 630,000 who became Democrats. So this big migration of more than a million voters, and again, folks, that's just a little piece of the overall U.S. electorate. That switching does not ensure widespread Republican success in the November midterms, which will determine control of Congress and dozens of governorships. Democrats are hoping the Supreme Court's decision to overrule Roe v. Wade will energize their supporters, particularly in the suburbs, ahead of the midterms. They look at everything as a potential arrow that they can stick in their quiver, and they used everything for political advantage to the best that they possibly can. The details about party switchers present a warning for Democrats who are already concerned about the macro effects shaping the political landscape this fall. Roughly four months before Election Day, Democrats today have no clear strategy to address Biden's weak popularity and voters' overwhelming fear that the country is headed in the wrong direction with their party in charge. And while Republicans have offered few party solutions of their own, the GOP has been working effectively to capitalize on the Democrats' shortcomings. Republicans, they got a boost last year as suburban parents grew increasingly frustrated by prolonged pandemic-related school closures. And then inflation. As it intensified more recently, the Republican National Committee has been hosting voter registration events at gas stations in suburban areas across swing states like Arizona, Michigan, Nevada, and Pennsylvania to link the Biden administration to record high gas prices. The GOP also linked the Democratic president to an ongoing baby formula shortage. Biden and Democrats are woefully out of touch with the American people. That's why voters are flocking to the Republican Party in droves. That's from Ronna McDowell, 
McDaniel, Ronna McDaniel, she's the Republican National Committee chair. She predicted that American suburbs are going to trend for red cycles to come because of Biden's gas hike, the open border crisis, baby formula shortage, and rising crime. And while Republican officials are quick to take credit for the shift, the phenomenon gained momentum shortly after Trump left office. Still, the specific reason or reasons for the shift are unclear. At least some of the newly registered Republicans are actually Democrats who crossed over to vote against Trump-backed candidates in GOP primaries. Such voters are likely to vote Democrat again this November, but who knows? The scope and breadth of the party switching suggests something much bigger is in play. Over the last year, nearly every state, even those with no high-profile Republican primaries, moved in the same direction as voters by the thousand became Republicans. Only Virginia, which held off your elections in 2021, saw Democrats notably trending up over the last year. But even there, Democrats were wiped out in last fall's statewide elections. In Iowa, Democrats used to hold the advantage in party changers by a two-to-one margin. That's flipped in the last year. Republicans ahead by the same amount. The same dramatic shift is playing out in Ohio. In Florida, Republicans won 58% of party switchers during the last years of the Trump era. Now over the last year, during the Biden administration, they command 70%. In Pennsylvania, Republicans went from 58 to 63% of party changers. The current advantage for Republicans among party changers is playing out with really, really big-time ferocity in the nation's suburbs. The Associated Press found that the Republican advantage was larger in suburban fringe counties based on classifications from the CDC compared to smaller towns and counties. Republicans boosted their share of party changes in 168 of 235 suburban counties. 72% over the last year compared with the last year of the Trump era. These include suburban counties across Georgia, Iowa, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Texas, Ohio, Virginia, and Washington State. And no Wanda, California, and New York aren't in there. No Democrats, they're not changing their party affiliation in either state. They're leaving the states, headed to red states. Republicans gain ground and further out suburban counties, which the CDC lumps in with medium-sized cities and calls them medium metro. More than 62% of these counties, 164 in all, saw Republican growth. They range from the suburban counties north of Denver, like Larimer, to Los Angeles, like Ventura and Santa Barbara in California. Uh Uh-oh. Republicans are registering. They're changing from Democrat to Republican in California. The Republican advantage was nearly universal, but it was stronger in some places than others. Example, Lorain County, Ohio, that's Cleveland. Nearly every party switcher over the last year has gone Republican. That's even as Democrats captured three-quarters of those changing parties in the same county during the end of the Trump era. 
Some conservative leaders worry the Republicans' suburban gains will be limited if the GOP members don't do a better job explaining to suburban voters what they stand for instead of what they stand against. Emily Seidel, who leads the Koch-backed grassroots organization Americans for Prosperity, said her network is seeking and seeing firsthand that suburban voters are distancing themselves from Democrats who represent extreme policy positions. But that doesn't mean that they're ready to vote against those lawmakers either. Frankly, they're skeptical of both options they have. This is Seidel speaking. The lesson here, candidates must make their case. They must give voters something to be for, not just something to be against. So back to Larimer County in Colorado, 39-year-old homemaker Jessica Krells said she can no longer vote for Democrats despite being a reliable Democrat voter up until 2016. There was not a single aha moment that convinced her to switch. But by 2020, she said, the Democrat Party had left her behind. The party's no longer Democrat. It's progressive socialism, she said. Specifically, she condemned Biden's plan to eliminate billions of dollars in student debt. So let's be honest. Short of a 2020-like mysteria plethora of last-minute Democrat votes showing up election night, no one is giving Democrats even a slim chance of victory in November. Stranger things have happened. We've seen it happen. And who's going to go all in on there being a real red wave? Nancy Pelosi prophesied the 2020 Biden win in September of 2020. You remember that? She pointed her finger to the heavens and her famous demonstrative promise to a room filled with skeptical media pundits and her saying, quote, no matter what you think, I promise on January 20th, 2021, I will inaugurate Joe Biden as the 46th president of the United States. And she did. No matter, one thing is certain. Things are really bad in the nation. And they're so bad, they certainly should send Biden's majorities in the House and the Senate home, along with him. But that can't happen until 2024. Why? The American people can't afford another two years of Joe Biden in cahoots with a majority in Congress. Who dares to even think about how much more damage they could do? American voters aren't stupid. The midterm election is not about Donald Trump or Roe v. Wade or even First Amendment free speech rights. As one famous from American from Louisiana told the media just ahead of Bill Clinton's re-election bid, when Bill seemed certain to be sent back to Arkansas, quote, it's about the money, stupid. James Carville, a Clinton advisor and a guy from South Louisiana, he was a prophet that night. Elections, in large part, are determined based on the current economic situation that Americans live in. It doesn't look good for Democrats this fall. It just doesn't. Do I think there will be another 2020 election surprise in November? I'll just defer to James Carville for the answer. (laughs) And we'll see for ourselves in a few months what's really going on in the minds of the American people. Remember that. 
It's what the people feel at the time. And it's not about what we think right now. It's what voters think at the time they go vote and then how they vote. Wow. We're going to wade into some stuff. The latest on this horrible thing that happened down around San Antonio yesterday where 50-plus illegal immigrants were found suffocated and, I guess, burned to death, died from hydration, food, and water shortage, locked up in a tractor-trailer rig. More gory details about it. And a whole lot more right after this. Subway Restaurant's Storytime Theater proudly presents Jack and the Beanstalk. Fee-fi-fo-fum. I smell the... I smell, uh, something delicious. Hey, little fella, what you got there? Oh, this? It's the big hot pastrami sub from Subway Restaurants. Mmm, that does look tasty. It sure is. Climbing that beanstalk out there makes you hungry. Uh, you mind if I have a bite? Sure! I'll trade you for that goose over there with the golden eggs. You got a deal! Hungry for something big? Then pick up a big hot pastrami sub from Subway Restaurants. Layer upon layer of delicious hot pastrami stacked high and toasted to flavorful perfection on freshly baked bread. Topped with pickles, mustard, and melted Swiss cheese, it's the perfect way to satisfy any giant-sized appetite. Big Hot Pastrami available at participating restaurants for a limited time only. See restaurants for details. Subway. Eat fresh. Today on Hey Culligan, softer equals better. Here's a tweet from Ed Itchy in Idaho. Hey Culligan, my laundry is so scratchy I just cut myself on a cable knit sweater. Any suggestions? Hashtag send help. Hey Ed Itchy in Idaho, yes, the Culligan high efficiency water softener will make that thing so soft it'll go from cable knit to cable knot. Itchy. Hashtag soft laundry. Hashtag already on the way. Get started for as little as $10 a month for six months at participating Culligan dealers. If you think we're just four wheels in a grill, think again. The Jeep Grand Cherokee redefines freedom. But what really makes Jeep? It's finding the perfect balance between luxury and adventure without ever compromising. It's driving across the country to see your family, to make new memories. So, what makes Jeep? You do. Jeep. There's only one. Jeep is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. Telling the truth, the mainstream media doesn't want you to hear. Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. Again, here's Dan. You want the greatest illustration of that very thing? You know, we tell the truth that the media just don't want you to hear. Have you heard anything come out in national media that in any way portrays what's coming out of that January 6th committee as being wrong, as being fake, as being untruthful, as being purely political? No, mainstream media, every day they come out, oh, there's another gotcha. Look out, Trump, you're going to prison. And yesterday there was a former Trump administration um, employee from the White House that appeared and testified. And, I mean, the world went crazy. Oh, my gosh, she said this about what Trump did or whatever. There was some information that came out. Supposedly, Trump got into it with the Secret Service. 
And I mean, this woman just told these things and they were just up, up on the front of that, the committee. They were just leaning over their microphones, watching her with bated breath. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. The Secret Service, after she testified, they made phone calls and volunteered. They want to come testify under oath and give the facts of the information that are exactly opposite of what she alleged. You don't hear anything about that in ABC, CBS, and NBC, CNN, or MSNBC. You don't hear about it. And then you don't hear about this. The January 6th committee, they fraudulently portrayed an innocent DOJ attorney as complicit in a conspiracy to overturn the 2020 election. And they did so with malice. That's a conclusion by the Federalist Margot Cleveland after she reviewed evidence debunking the January 6th committee's false narrative about former Department of Justice lawyer Ken Klukowski at last Thursday's public hearing. Klukowski is an analyst for Breitbart News. He issued a statement over the weekend calling the January 6th committee to release the full transcript of his sworn deposition. In it, he said, he debunks the committee's false portrayal of him as a go-between in a conspiracy to overturn the election. And of course, the committee doesn't turn any of that over. Do you know they will not let one Republican ask any questions other than the two that were handpicked, two Republicans handpicked by Pelosi? They won't let anybody cross-examine any of the witnesses. They don't let Republicans see any of the evidence, they call it evidence, that comes to the committee. Nobody gets to see it. Nobody gets to look at it. Nobody needs uh, gets to ask questions. It's a one-sided sham. And we shouldn't be surprised about any of this stuff when we hear it. I mean, it happens all the time. This entire thing, even the timing of when they began it and how they've timed the hearings during it, it's all for political swagger and for nothing else. Every person sitting up there is fighting for their lives for re-election in November. Every one of them come up for re-election in November. Two of them, the two Republicans that sit on the committee, it looks like they're not going to be successful to even be able to run. It looks like in Wyoming, Miss Cheney, Liz Cheney is going to be primaried by somebody who is not serving in Congress previously. Adam Kinzinger announced he's not going to run for re-election. So both of, them, both of them are already pretty much toast. And even in the middle of this, they continue along that same path about it was a war on the government on January 6th. If it was a war, why wasn't the National Guard there like President Trump asked for? 20,000 to be there to protect Washington, D.C., and Pelosi and Schumer said no. Why for the first half of the so-called insurrection was there not a single Capitol Police officer with a gun on his hip? They were expecting an insurrection, we're told. There are so many questions like that that just can't be answered. Oh, they can be answered, but the facts don't align with the political narrative that the Democrats are trying to sell to the American people. And sadly, many Americans are buying it. 
And that, my friends, makes it all worthwhile. If they can get the people to do it, if they can get the people to believe that, hey, we're working for the people and the American people get it. If they can get that and sell it successfully, they feel like there's still life for them. And every day, to be honest with you, every day, they keep shooting themselves in the foot needlessly. But as that famous guy from uh, South Louisiana once said, you can't fix stupid. Stupid is as stupid does. And speaking of stupid and stupid ideas, look at our president right now. He's overseas in Europe. He's over there pontificating about how great everything is in the United States. All his fellow world leaders, they watch, they listen, they know what's going on over here. And a very embarrassing moment came up yesterday. French President Emmanuel Emmanuel Macron came over. There was a hot mic. It seemed like those things followed Joe Biden everywhere, a hot microphone. And Macron is telling Biden who on this trip is planning to go to Saudi Arabia and talk the leadership there and the royal family to increase their production of oil so the Americans can get more gasoline and diesel at the pump for us and hopefully get the prices down. Now, everybody on earth knows Biden's headed over there. Macron talked to the Saudis, talked to the leader of UAE, the United Arab Emirates. These were people that Biden's planning on bending their arms to get more oil from them to us. And Macron dropped the bomb on that open microphone to Biden, telling him neither country can produce any more oil that the Americans can get. Now, why would the French leader have that information before the president of the United States? The French leader gets information about American issues before the president of the United States gets them. That tells you something. And then this horror show that has been playing out at our southern border, and every few days we find how ugly it really is and the ugliness is real. Here's the latest just from moments ago about that tractor trailer and those dead immigrants that were found outside of San Antonio. A tragic discovery in San Antonio. More than 51 people are now dead after being found in the back of an 18-wheeler this week. Temperatures topped 100 degrees. This is the deadliest case of human smuggling in U.S. history. And now we're learning more about the tragedy. Yeah, Cleo Green is with us this morning. Cleo, so many of those victims really just hoping for a better life. And again, hard to wrap your head around just how bad this tragedy yeah, is. Yeah, Mark, Karen, the death toll has climbed, as you mentioned there. Uh, there was a vigil held last night in West San Antonio for the 51 lives lost. These were migrants from Mexico, Honduras, and Guatemala. Here's the latest in this investigation this morning. Uh, officials say at least 62 migrants were stuffed into that back of the tractor trailer with temperatures topping over 100 degrees and it was just left there. That 18-wheeler was found on a route often exploited by smugglers at a time when record numbers of migrants are being intercepted at the U.S.-Mexico border. Some of the survivors are still in critical condition this morning, suffering from heat stroke and exhaustion. The patients were very hot to touch. For Jessica Azua here, this tragedy, it hits close to home. 
I'm so fed up. I'm so tired. I came here when I was 14 years old in an 18-wheeler as well, and I passed out from the heat. I was lucky that I woke up. With the rising temperatures in South Texas, this is a guaranteed death sentence. It's not worth it. Do not place your life or the lives of your loved ones in the hands of these criminals. At this point, we know at least three people have been taken into custody, including the truck driver who abandoned uh, the, the tractor trailer there and investigators tracing the truck's um, registration to a home in San Antonio and detaining two more men from Mexico on weapons charges. Now, the local sheriff that you saw in that soundbite there, he is calling on President Biden uh, to go ahead and ask for resources to deal with human smuggling, calling this a humanitarian crisis. And this is actually turning into a political debate on social Social media on Twitter. President Biden here tweeting that yesterday's loss of life in San Antonio is horrifying. My prayers are with the family and the lost lives there, saying my administration will continue to do everything possible to stop criminal smugglers from exploiting migrants. Well, Governor Abbott here tweeted back saying these deaths are on Biden. They are a result of his deadly open border policies. They show the deadly consequences of his refusal to enforce the law. A lot to learn here. Still a very big political debate happening on Twitter. And that brings to my mind, what does Joe Biden really know that's going on at the southern border? Does he get the same information that you and I get? I got to be honest with you, this guy, he, I mean, he's been around. This is not his first trip. He's been in Washington almost 50 years. Eight as vice president, the rest of them as a powerful member of the United States Senate. He knows how everything happens. He knows how government happens. He knows what needs to be done and what doesn't. I find it hard to believe that anybody, even Joe Biden, would believe that what's happening, what's been happening for a year and a half now at the southern border, all of it happened on his watch, based on his executive order and his policy decisions, every single thing, all those deaths, every single one of them that have happened. And there are, I got to be honest with you, hundreds if not thousands of wannabe migrants that cross into the United States that in that trek, in that trip, have been killed. Every single death, and now the deaths of each of those 51 and the others that are in critical condition that could still die, that were in that tractor-trailer rig outside of San Antonio discovered yesterday, every one of the, every single one of those is the direct responsibility of this president and actions that he took and actions that he didn't take. And everybody below him in his administration, especially Homeland Security, under Alejandro Mayorkas, the secretary, he's just as responsible as is Joe Biden. And I'm not going to belabor the story. You know what's in it. But just for a second, think about this and tell me, what would be happening today if this happened when Donald Trump was in the White House, what would be going on? You think the Roe v. Wade pushback has, has been bad yet? Oh my gosh, we've not seen anything. In my lifetime, you got to remember, I grew up and became an adult when Kent State happened. That's when National Guards people shot and killed 20-plus 
students at Kent State University who were protesting and the protest got out of hand. I've seen big-time violence. I vaguely remember the violence in the South in the Civil War area, not Civil War, in the Civil Rights era back in the 60s when African-American people were being obliterated, beat to pieces. Hangings were actually happening. Dogs attacking black people. I mean, it was a race war. I've seen all of that. But I've never seen any president of the United States turn his back on a group of people, a large group of people, and take actions or not take actions that have resulted in the deaths of these hundreds and thousands of illegals. Not even talking about or mentioning the illegal drugs that keep coming in every day across our southern border. This administration knows all about it. They have the power already. They don't need any more money. They have the power and they have the money to stop it. Joe Biden could stop it in a matter of weeks if he really was a president and really was a leader. He could call a group of people together in the Oval Office and he could take measures to change that entire landscape down there. He could do the same thing with the prices of gasoline and fuel around the nation. He could do all of that. He has the power, the wherewithal, and the knowledge to do it. Ask yourself this question. Why doesn't he do it? Why is he not just letting quid pro quo happen and things just flow along? That's not what he's doing. He's taking actions, literally taking actions, issuing executive orders, making policy decisions that are making it worse. It's not getting any better. It's getting worse. And while people die, well, in Rome, Rome burned and Nero fiddled while it burned. Is that what Joe Biden's doing? I don't know if he's musical. I don't know if he is, if he has a fiddle. But let me tell you what, the nation's burning. Thank you for joining us this morning. Join us Monday through Friday, 9 to 11 Central for Dan Newman, TNN Live. The Truth News Network. Or online all the time at truthnewsnet.org. Uh-oh, guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Julie, hey, guess what day it is. Oh, come on, I know you can hear me. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Leslie, guess what today is? It's hump day. Woo-woo! Ronnie, how happy are folks who save hundreds of dollars switching to Geico? I'd say happier than a camel on Wednesday. Hump day! Get happy. Yeah. Get Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Long live the courageous. The tenacious. The ones who push forward and give back. Long live the greater good. The helping hand. Those who fall and get back up. And long live the truck with the strength to overcome. 
to our work. And the commitment to outlast them all. Ram. Proven to last. During the break, I got a couple of texts. One of them came from our one of our friends. All listens every day at work. James Posey. And uh, Posey confronted me about my uh, talking about racial and divisive wars in the nation and I was referencing back to the early 70s and I used the term, I let it slip out civil war, what I was referencing and I corrected myself James, maybe you didn't hear me, maybe your hearing's bad, but I corrected myself and I said, talked about the civil rights stuff that was going on, not civil war, but I used the wrong word. Second one wanted to know a little bit more about what happened in that testimony yesterday. Let me just give you the rundown. The U.S. Secret Service, they're planning to publicly denounce the allegations that came out yesterday from former White House aide Cassidy Hutchinson in testimony the January 6th. She said that former President Trump lunged for the steering wheel in order to get to the Capitol to march with protesters on January 6th. She said she spoke with the Deputy Chief of Staff for Operations, Tony Arnato, in a meeting in the U.S. Secret Service Special Agent Robert Ingalls present in his office for the meeting. She said Arnato told her Trump became irate when he was told he could not go to the Capitol with protesters to protest the certification of the election. Hutchison claims Trump said something along the lines of, I'm the effing president, take me up to the Capitol now. When his request was denied, Hutchison claims Arnato told her Trump reached from the steering wheel, forcing Eagle to grab the president and hold him back. Sources close to the Secret Service, they denied the claims and said both Ingle and the driver want to and are ready to testify that Trump never tried to attack either man, did not reach for the steering wheel, according to several reports. CNN reporter Gabby Orr tweeted yesterday that Arnato denied telling Hutchison that Trump lunged for the steering wheel. Engel had been interviewed by the January 6th committee. Three people familiar with the matter said Engel reportedly said he and other law enforcement officials determined it wasn't feasible to get Trump to the Capitol. Trump told the Washington Post back in April that Secret Service prevented him from going to the Capitol on January 6th. Secret Service said, I couldn't go, Trump said. I would have gone there in a minute. He posted on Truth Social Tuesday to deny the claims that Hutchison said yesterday. Her fake story that I tried to grab the steering wheel of the White House limo in order to steer to the Capitol building is sick and fraudulent, very much like the unselect committee itself wouldn't even have been possible to do such a ridiculous thing. Her story of me throwing food is also false. And why would she have to clean it up? I hardly know who she was. It's just one thing after another. Let me tell you, this is all just a string of the same thing. We had the Mueller investigation, same thing. It was just to spend millions of taxpayer dollars and try to come up with fake information with which to use to get rid of Donald Trump. 
and then impeachment number one, impeachment number two. Now this really is impeachment attempt number three. Listen, let me just let me just sum it up and we'll move on. If there was any dirt on Donald Trump, anything whatsoever that could tie him to any of the actions that happened on January 6th, it would be everywhere. Every bus stop would have a newspaper thing there and placards on the side of buses giving all the information of, aha, Trump caught, going to jail. Somebody out there knows everything about everything. And that's 24-7 the way it is. You can't do something and hide. You can hide it for a while. But I guarantee you there's no president of the United States that does anything like they're alleging that uh, Donald Trump did, that it wouldn't be all over the world, plastered everywhere. Trump finally caught. We're going to be able to get rid of him and throw him out of Washington, D.C. forever. They're petrified. They actually think the American people are so deluded and so stupid that the American people, those ultra-MAGA people, as Joe Biden calls anybody that supported Trump, ultra-MAGA people, they're controlling the thought processes of all conservatives. Donald Trump and his ilk has everybody tricked to believe in all that crap. They're selling that narrative, and they're not doing a really good job. You know why? Because Americans aren't stupid. Americans look at what happened, find out, dig in, and get facts of the whys and whos and what happened, and they're making their own decisions. And it's not good for the January 6th committee. It's certainly not good for Adam Kinzinger, and uh, Liz Cheney from Wyoming. Liz is running for re-election. There's only one congressional district in the whole state of Wyoming. She's it right now. She's the member of the House of Representatives from Wyoming. And it looks like somebody that is a neophyte and running for politics, getting involved in it, is going to beat her in the primary. Americans aren't stupid. We get it. On Tuesday's broadcast of Fox News Radio's Guy Benson show, Kevin Brady, you remember him? He's a Republican from Texas. He stated that Joe Biden bears the responsibility for these recent migrant deaths in Texas, and he argued that it's terribly cruel for the president to continue to ignore the record number of migrants who have died while trying to get across the border. Brady stated... This is not the first time it's happened, but this one I think is particularly tragic. Now, 51 bodies, the whole trailer was crammed and abandoned. The driver took off and just left in the heat. And I guess, I do think President Biden bears responsibility here. There have been now 750 migrants who have died on American soil during his term. 750. That's a tragically record levels for this. And no doubt here in Texas, we know it is due to his open borders. I just think it's terribly cruel for the president to keep ignoring what's happening on American soil, especially in the border states and around the country. Here, we're seeing really senseless 
deaths. And the January 6th committee, even though they're getting slapped around in their effort to blame Trump for violence, they ignore pointed warnings that Congress got much earlier. So with the help of a former junior White House aide, House Democrats on the committee tried uh, yesterday to convince us that Donald Trump and his team were aware of the potential for violence among armed protesters that day. Their presentation using the hearsay testimony of that Cassidy Hutchinson, you just heard about that. It was it was strictly to get the news media amped up, and it worked, but it couldn't obscure one stubborn fact that was ignored glaringly, by the way, at the televised hearing. Long before Hutchison overheard concerns in the White House on January 2nd and January 6th about guns and violence, the Capitol Police that reported to House Speaker Pelosi repeatedly received intelligence warnings from the FBI and other intelligence agencies about the possibilities of this happening on January 6th, they failed to increase security adequately or to accept Trump's Pentagon's offer for 10,000 or more National Guard troops. It was actually 20,000. Documents that were obtained from the Capitol Police sources show the department received a pointed intelligence report on New Year's Eve, more than a week before this happened. The extremists were planning to attend a rally earlier that day that were discussing using guns, possibly in sniper attacks, and planning to violently storm the Capitol and hang Democrat members of Congress. Far-right extremists called for armed encampment and to hang corpses of Democrats at January 6th pro-Trump demonstration in D.C., that was one online entry in the December 31st, 2020 domestic terrorism summary that Capitol Police official Matthew Hertig sent to multiple offices inside his department. You ever hear about that? No. And you didn't hear about it yesterday. None of this that I just gave you. Will the mainstream media even cover? Another entry in the same report read, Armed and ready, Mr. President, demonstrators urged to bring guns. Prepare for violence at January 6th. Stop the steel protest in Washington. A third entry in the same intelligence report, which was sent to email distribution lists for the Capitol Police's intelligence, investigations, and internal security units. It included a discussion on an extremist online forum on which members of the group Proud Boys and Oath Keepers were sharing plans for the day. Far-right forum users discussed taking violent actions at D.C. Trump rally, the entry read. One Capitol Police official who was there told Just the News that the department had repeated warnings dating December 21, 2020, that guns, violence, storming the Capitol, targeting lawmakers were being discussed by the very extremists who would later show up on the day of the write-up. This was a slow-motion train wreck where we had the intelligence of what Proud Boys and Oath Keepers were threatening, and we neither hardened our defenses enough nor accepted the National Guard troops, 
This Capitol Police official said, speaking only on the condition of anonymity, because the official wasn't cleared to talk to the media. It's a clear failure of leadership. Other Capitol Police officers, they say they believe the department briefed some of the intelligence it was receiving to the political leadership of Congress through the House and Senate Sergeant-at-Arms offices. Making the decision to reject the National Guard troops makes it all the more puzzling because all these people thought when they got this intelligence, we're running it upstream and they're going to get the National Guard here. They didn't. The night before the Capitol riot, Deputy Police Chief Sean Gallagher sent an email to an aide close to Senate Democrat leader Chuck Schumer warning that expected demonstrators had maps of the Capitol complex, tunnel systems, and were talking of targeting lawmakers. Another former Capitol Police official on Tuesday noted there was a warning much earlier, referenced in a little-notice footnote of the Senate's official investigative report on the January 6th riot. That footnote states police sent an email as early as December 19th to a sergeant-at-arms official about concerns about the Trump rally. The The report wasn't more specific. But other Capitol Police documents show that numbers detailed and stark warnings were included in the intelligence report leading up to that day. Warning of gun violence. Here's an example. December 23rd, the U.S. Marshals Service warned Capitol Police that a TikTok video posted by extremists planning to go to the rally was calling for the use of snipers during the planned march on D.C. The Marshal Service included that specific language captured in the social media video. In about two weeks, there's going to be a march in D.C. That's from the video. You know those cops are going to be lined up with their shields and stuff, and know what I mean? We got to get some stuff going with the snipers. Now, do you think, do you think that Anybody that didn't have an agenda that runs opposite of what these threats were going to do, do you think that they would not know that the American people were going to hear about all this after the fact and understand and realize this was a purposeful action perpetrated on the part and authorized by, it had to be, by Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi and other Democrats because the Republicans certainly didn't know anything about it. They knew and expected there to be real violence that day, and that's why they turned down any National Guard support. They didn't go out and increase the Capitol Police Force. They didn't go to the Washington Police Department and get agents to be there. And by the way, for the first half of the quote-unquote insurrection, None of the Capitol Police officers were carrying weapons. None. And yet this stuff keeps going on, and they believe the January 6th panel, they believe that the American people are too steep, stupid to understand what actually happened, who was behind it, and what it ended up doing. Meanwhile, life goes on, right? <laughs> Donald Trump's down in Florida. He's doing his business stuff. And Joe Biden is overseas doing what he does all the time. And while that's all going on, the confidence 
in Joe Biden's job, the belief of the American people that this guy can get it done and is getting it done is getting worse and worse and worse. And you know what? He likes to go overseas and talk to people over there, and he thinks when he's over there, everybody sees him and they brighten up and they're going to be better people just because Joe was there. People around the world, they don't like Joe Biden. Confidence in President Joe Biden declining across the world. Pew Research Center finding that the median confidence in Biden among more than a dozen publics was just 60%. That's down 15 percentage points from 2021. Some of the biggest declines recorded in Italy, in Greece and Spain. Lee, it's Europe that is watching closely, but you can't believe that China is not watching just as closely as well, seeing all these gaffes. You can't believe it. But you know what? This is... This is What's happening to his polling domestically, internationally, globally, his performance has has left people both lacking trust in the administration, trust in America, and really confidence in our country and our future. He can't communicate. He can't engage. He can't even admit what's going on. So people are just saying, like, when he talks about the economy, it's temporary. When he talks about inflation, it's temporary. When he talks about gas prices, it's somebody else's fault. He's constantly shifting the blame, and he's not saying what he's going to do for us to make things better. And I think that just translates to a global um, lack of trust in him as well. You know, I I, I think it was Representative Greg Murphy who was on this program a couple months ago. He said, look, we would like to impeach Joe Biden. There are a number of things that are impeachable, like the wide open border, but they're afraid to do it because they're afraid of number two. Lou. <laughs> they are. They're afraid well, of Kamala Harris. Yeah, no, yes. I, I would agree. I, I think it's you, you choose the, the, the situation that you know right now. That's an unknown. That's uncertain. Don't, no one wants to go there. I think the only thing falling faster than stocks, believe it or not, is the approval ratings. And what's, what's really concerning here is that it's, you know, he's not taking care of matters, like Lee said, at home. Take care of things at home, and the global approval ratings will follow. Um, but he's just pushing the buck, kicking the can, looking at policy changes that don't have any impact on what's going on right now. Saying that we're turning immigration issues into political grandstanding is just nonsense not doing anything to fight inflation, pretending that it's not existent, that it's not impacting families, is just not the case. And it's it's just him digging in, Adam. I mean, yeah. look, we know inflation was stoked because of all of the massive spending last year, and yet they're still talking about more spending. Well, the ultimate absurdity when it comes to uh, Mr. Biden's um, policy, if you will, on inflation, is saying, well, we're actually going to uh, bring the cost of energy down for average Americans by encouraging clean energy. Wait, wait, rewind. Yeah. yeah. But we're, we're not <laughs> going to allow drilling on federal land right. where, where our own producers can bring some of the cheapest oil to the surface and actually run it through the refineries and get gasoline prices down because we increase supply. No, we're not going to do that. We're going to encourage electric vehicles at this point, really? Yeah. I mean, it's just completely bungled. While he goes hat in hand to Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Unbelievable. Bungled. Yes. And by the way, even trying to go down to Venezuela. Yeah. We'd rather, Mr. Biden would rather do a deal with Hugo Chavez than with his own and, uh, producers at home. Yeah. And 67% of Americans are saying they have financial hardship because of gas prices. This is one of the most important issues to Americans that's dictating how they view the economy, how they view their lives. Their lens is once a week when they go fill up their cars, they're saying, you know what, this is messed up and yeah. he doesn't seem to be addressing they it. They thought it was $80. They walked out of the gas station $120 poor. Right. So it's a lot worse than anybody thought. Isn't it unusual? Here we are 18 months into this presidency. You would think at this particular point, whoever the president is, Joe Biden or who replaces him when, it, when it's time, whoever it is, they would have an accurate picture of what has happened 
good and bad, and what were the reasons that those good and bad things happen, and be able to make conscious decisions and choices based upon the facts in front of their noses. Here's what we're going to do going forward because it's working so far, but we're going to stop doing this over here because it's not working. I mean, it's not just about Joe Biden. It's about leadership. I don't care if if we're just talking about you and your household. If your household is allowed by the mom and dad or whoever is the head of the family to just continue every day, there's no structure, there's no discipline, there's no order, it's going to be constantly utter chaos. That's exactly what we're living in right now in the United States of America. Our leader is nowhere in the even same zip code as the problems that he created. If Joe Biden could do just one thing, if he could erase just one thing in his administration's history, what would it be? I can tell you. He would erase the afternoon of January 20th, 2021, when he issued all of those executive orders that turned our economy Upside down. It opened the door and said, come on in here, inflation. Come on in here, shortages of food and baby formula. Come on in here and take over the trust of the American people and you control it because what I'm doing and what I'm going to do going forward is going to turn everybody in the nation and now not just the nation but in the world going to turn everybody against the United States and Joe Biden. Our neighbors overseas, they're, they're struggling with their energy policies. We were told, Joe Biden told us, oh, we're going to go, we're going to transition to renewable energies. We're going to make sure that there are no fossil fuels being used anywhere by 2030. Electric cars, that's the salvation of the globe. Meanwhile, Overseas, places like India and China, where almost half, almost half of the pollution to our world atmosphere comes from those two places. We don't have any control over what they do. They're not going to take one bit of advice from anybody outside their own countries. They're going to do whatever they want to do. If we reduced our carbon emissions to zero, Canada did the same thing. Europe did the same thing. If we did that, it would not change one iota of the total picture of pollution on the planet because of India, because of China, and because of some of the other Southeast Asian countries that don't take care of their pollution. The world watches whoever's at the top in the United States. You don't think world leaders knew what was going on with Donald Trump? Look at what the world leaders that this president is meeting with, look at what came out of meetings that they had when Donald Trump was president. NATO, for the first time, every nation started paying their fair share. No U.S. president had ever pushed them. We were just writing the big check, almost supporting 100% all of the expenses of NATO. I'm talking about operating Airplane, fleets of airplanes, fighter jets, 
hiring soldiers, training soldiers, weaponry, tanks, all those kinds of things. We were footing the bill for that. Donald Trump just basically said, that's not fair. We're not actually protecting ourselves, our nation. We're here to help you keep the bad guys out of your nations, and we're not supposed to be doing it. We're supposed to be helping you to do it. Y'all start paying the bill, and they started paying the bill. Democrats in leadership in politics in the nation historically have thought the exact same way about this. All it takes is for somebody who has the title of President of the United States to stand up and give a policy speech about anything, anything that he or she wants to. And everybody else in the world is, they're hanging on every word, just sitting there waiting to hear all of the greatness and the goodness come out of the mouth of the President of the United States. going to make everything across the globe better. Look at what's happening in Europe to energy. Look at it. Joe Biden made a big deal out of it when Russia started threatening to go into Ukraine. He talked with European leaders about their energy support. They were getting most of their natural gas from Russia. Well, what's going to happen if you have a tyrant that is the president of another country and he controls access to the energy that you've got to have in your country just to live? And oh, by the way, one of the things Biden did, he shut off our sales of and transportation to Northern Europe of liquid national gas, natural gas. And then Putin did exactly what everybody thought he would do when he got mad at the left, uh, at the West, everybody in the left, when he decided to go into Ukraine and everybody got mad with him and said, we got to cut him off and doing all that kind of stuff. He basically told Germany, you know, that pipeline that goes through Ukraine and comes to you, the gas that's in it comes from Russia. Ah, we're going to turn the spigot off. Everybody knew that was going to happen. What a, Good leaders, what do good U.S. leaders do in preparation for things like this? They make plans. If this happens, here's what we can do. Get ready just in case this happens. This administration doesn't do that on any level. And even in Europe, leaders in Europe, they are scared to death of what's happening here in the United States regarding energy because they depend a lot on what happens. We're not facing crisis regarding our energy stuff just here in the United States. People around the world are suffering from policies that have been implemented by Joe Biden. Peter's last point is disappointing. He looks all over the world, can't find any extra oil in the cupboard. Maybe he'd look at home, like go to Midland, Texas, or meet with the oil and gas CEOs when they came to Washington, but he only met with the windmill makers, not the oil people. I mean, it's him. He's stubborn. He's narcissistic. He won't admit that his so-called transi transition to renewals is dead. I watched, the, I watched that video and, that, and listened to that sound multiple times today because I was really wondering, what do you think was really going on there? 
with the interruption of the President of the United States and Jake Sullivan, our national security advisor, in this moment where Macron steps in and tells our president that he knows better than for him to go and bow to Saudi Arabia and ask for oil. Was it a message for us to produce more? Was it a message to go buy from the Iranians or uh, the Venezuelans? I don't know. But what I do know, going back to your riff and my homework for your show, <laughs> It's unbelievable what's happening right now with Putin's economy. I mean, you go back to your original point that the West may have greatly understated mm -hmm. and underestimated Russia's ability to mm -hmm. weather these sanctions. The New York Times headline, Western move to choke Russia's oil export, exports boomerangs for now. Mm -hmm. Moscow is now earning more in mm -hmm. oil revenues than it was before the war. You pointed out the currency now surging the ruble against the U.S. dollar. China in India, the world's most populous countries, have swooped in. They're buying roughly the same amount of Russian oil that otherwise would have been going to the West. So anybody who wants to tout Putin's price hike at the same time talking about how global these markets are, that Russian oil didn't come off the market. Russian it just went other places. Russian production is at its pre-war high. Russian production. Yes. And thanks to India and China, so are their sales. And... Europe yeah. now is having to abandon the Green New Deal and they're producing coal. So I ask you, Sandra Smith, yeah. what's wrong with that picture? Or if you were Joe Biden's top advisor, wouldn't you tell him it's failed? The transition to renewables has failed. Russia shot a hole through it. The Europeans are shooting a hole through it. And you have shot yourself in the foot. Yeah. And then Why you go to the, they do you, that? You go to that, um, you know, groundbreaking discussion happening at the G7 <laughs> table of leaders about price caps. Oh, oh, that works. How good is that? Never, ever, ever has, and no economist looking at that is suggesting that that is going to work. I mean, I guess the idea is to create some sort of incentive for Vladimir Putin to continue sending oil at the same time we're going to we're going to collectively say we're going to limit how much we're pay, paying for those barrels of oil to stick it to you sorry but he's in a much better position now than anybody i think predicted to your point about the amount of oil flowing out of Russia, I found it hard to believe, put in a brain request knowing I was going to visit you here today. The estimates right now, it's hard to track down because it's not like we can depend on Russia's reporting on this, but Russia earned $20 billion in May from oil sales, okay? Mm. That was May. That was up almost $2 billion. It was an increase of $2 billion from April. Okay. January 2020, uh, 2022, before the invasion of Ukraine ever happened, uh, Russia oil sales were $20 billion. We are right <laughs> yeah. back yeah. where things were yeah. pre-invasion. Nobody. By the way, these sanctions, I don't know. The American sanctions are supposed to kick in at the end of this month. I haven't seen a word about it in the newspapers. But the European sanctions were never immediate. They were always manana, end yeah. of the year. Yeah. We'll and, deal with it later, yeah. Right. And they're, you know, they're starving. They're starving for oil and gas right now. Mm -hmm. So they're going to coal. I mean, my point is, number one, socialist price controls have never worked ever, any place, any time. Yep. We've had that experience here. We had price controls on oil in the 1970s. What did we have? Long lines, people shooting each other at gasoline stations, supplies were short, and prices actually on the black market were very high, and eventually Ronald Reagan had to decontrol and prices fell. Mm -hmm. All right. When has this socialist idea of price controls ever worked? 
And why is our Treasury Secretary pushing for it? And why is uh, Emmanuel Macron pushing for it? She she launched it for Russia. Macron wants to take it worldwide. And my other point, question, does that worldwide Emmanuel Macron oil price controls include the U.S.? The U.S.? Are we having a little backdoor price controls here where there's a wink and a nod from Yellen and Biden if he's up that this is what the French are aiming for and maybe it's kind of a cool idea. Bottom line, just they, just, they just have to make it look like they're just doing asking. something. Even Democrats are walking around just tell us who to blame. Right? I mean, this is just another band-aid on the problem, and never ever in history have we seen price controls like this work for any extended period of time. And I'm telling you right now, uh, Germany just came out and said it today. They're really worried about the upcoming winter. I mean, it's uh. going to be cold. There could be a serious gas situation, a deteriorating gas situation. They're already telling them to limit their natural gas use in that country. They're firing up the coal plants. I mean, this is a complete disaster. And to the point of the New York Times, this whole idea of the sanctions has boomeranged on the West, trying to put it to Vladimir Putin. And here we are in the United States. I mean, by the way, you saw oil has been down the past few days and it's back up today. You can't say it has nothing to do with this. I mean, we've got the resources back here at home. We have an administration that is not willing to do anything about that or acknowledge it. No, who's going to have a rough winter? Who? Joe Biden's going to mm. have a rough political winter. There you go. All right. That's the best I'd come up with. There has to be some good news. We want to restore life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Amen. We must do this. Is this the big special tomorrow? This is the special tomorrow. Sandra Smith, you're pretty, pretty special. I mean, I'm Thanks just pretty fired on. up about this. If you can't tell, I mean, it's like... I can see it. <laughs> increase the global oil supply. Global price controls. Global whip inflation now. You can catch Sandra on American Reports weekdays at 1 p.m. Eastern. Fox News. Thank Gas you, Sandra. prices, people aren't happy. No, you know. nobody's happy. Here's what I take from that conversation. Those two people are both economists, Larry Kudlow and Sandra Smith, both with Fox News, Fox Business. They know what they're talking about. Those are people that can look at the landscape of the financial things that are happening not only here, but around the globe, and they can look at the problems that create bad things within those sectors, and they can look at the good policies and they can make educated conclusions based upon facts. They're stumped. They don't have a clue as to why, oh, why is Biden doing all of the things that he's doing, saying all the things that he's saying, when he doesn't have a clue what the effects of what is implemented, what he has instituted, is doing to the people around the world. He doesn't have an idea. And it's almost like any time and every time somebody makes a suggestion to him, if he, if he likes the person that made the suggestion, not the suggestion itself, but just likes the person that made it, hey, he's going to jump all over it. Why? Because I like that guy. I like that guy. And I don't think he'd give us something that was bad. So what we're going to do is we're going to do what he said to do. Why? Because I like the guy. Seriously, folks, that's exactly what this president is doing. You can't come up with any other reason. You can't give any idea of why Joe will not have his people in 
the intelligence community, the law enforcement community, why will he not allow them to abide by federal laws? In fact, tells them, just ignore the federal laws. You know, the job that you signed up for to enforce our borders, make sure that customs is taking care and only the right people are getting into the nation, the ones that are coming legally. And he says, nah, we're not going to do that anymore. So they just stop. Is there any kind of reasoning in that thinking? If it was, we could all figure it out. We're not stupid. Americans live in the greatest educational source country on the planet. Not that we are the most educated because we don't. Too many people don't access the educational materials that are available to them. And so people make stupid choices based on things they think Maybe based on things somebody told them was a good idea, but it wasn't. I get that. But as a whole, we are not stupid. We're watching what's happening right now in Europe when our president's been there for three days, and he shows them, the leaders that he's interfacing with, and he shows the people in those nations that he is a feckless, cognitive, declining guy, old guy, that has served a life in Congress and he's on his way out and he's trying to make a mark for himself and put some kind of something on the historical four years of him being in office, if he makes it four years, that somebody in his family two or three generations from now can say, that was my great-great-grandfather. They're going to say that anyway about Joe Biden. But what they'll be talking about aren't going to be any great decisions that he made that instituted wonderful things for the American people, it will be exactly the opposite of that. Lowe's knows you're a craftsman guy. You have a lot of tools. Tools for everything you've done around the house. But there's the moment you realize your new project means new tools. Yes. When tool guys need new tools, they start with Lowe's. The new home of Craftsman. Our next Starbucks customer is Ron. Hello. Strictly espresso, in and out, except during the Christmas season. Uh, I have a list. When he turns into uh, Santa. A venti. Iced white mocha, triple shot. He's getting stickers for the new Starbucks Philippines uh, planner. Grande toffee nut latte. It's made by Moleskine? Wow, right? Venti green tea cream frappuccino. Hey, uh, you got all the stickers. No, no, it's for my wife. I, I understand. The 2016 Starbucks Philippines planner by Moleskine. Promo runs November 2 to January 7, 2016. For DTI FTEB SBD permit number 10616, series of 2015. Hello? Sir, I hear you having problems putting together your new kitchen unit. Oh, yeah, uh, the instructions say. What now? The instruction manual. It makes absolute. Stop reading that. Well, what would you suggest I use? I suggest you use the fact you're a man. Huh? Guys who got pride never relied on no guide, sucker. I'll give you some step by step instructions. <laughs> Buy Snickers, remove wrapper, bite chocolate, and get some nuts. Go to getsomenuts.tv for more Snickers man coaching.
Hi, Tom Bodette. Of all the things invented in 1962, some have faded away, like cassette tapes, and others are still very much with us, like lava lamps and Motel 6. Yep, Motel 6 is celebrating 50 years of giving travelers a good night's rest and saving you more for what you travel for. But we're just getting started. In fact, the longer you watch us, the better we get. Kind of like a lava lamp. Trippy. I'm Tom Bodette for Motel 6. 50 years and the light's still on. Speaking the truth for justice and the American way, Dan Newman. Well, that's kind of a really regal introduction there from Pete Moss. The American way, speaking for the American way. (laughs) I don't know about that, but I'm speaking from my heart every day about things that are important to all of you. And I'm very appreciative that you're here every day, that uh, you have the ability to, and many of you will drop me text or post something in an article that's published here that you feel like was not right, you wanted to make a correction. And I encourage that. I want everybody to be involved. I want everybody to think through, watch, and I know people are busy. And I got to be honest with you, I'm not going to sit down and listen to a show for two solid hours, five days a week. I'm just not going to do it. I can't do it. And I know you're probably in the same spot, but I appreciate the thousands of you that after you hear part of the show, sometimes you don't hear any of a show. You're going to Apple podcast or Spotify, iHeartRadio, tune in Google podcast, Stitcher, even Facebook. And now, um, true social. And you can grab any of our shows because they're all posted there right after the live show is over every day, and you can download and listen to them there. Let me let me just tell you, the other day when we weren't here, it was we were traveling to Central Texas for a medical procedure. Um, we listened in the car to one of the shows. In fact, we were driving for about four and a half, five hours, so we listened to part of a second one. That's a good way to make sure you're, you're not... Uh, missing something very important when you have to miss all or part of a show. Just a suggestion. Um, You're going to make a trip, you miss some shows, and looking back over your shoulder, go look at the menu of each of the day's stories. There's a menu there and a little snippet about what's included. We've done some interviews that many of you have missed. We did several last week. We did one with a gentleman that uh, was running for the Republican nomination for governor for Oklahoma. He ran against Stitcher, who, uh, Stitch, Governor Stitch, who's done a very effective job for the Republican Party and the people of Oklahoma. And he lost in that primary bid. But here was a guy, law enforcement, a lifer, a doctor in Oklahoma. And he's out there and he's carrying the torch with a cause that may be different from somebody sitting in the office. But he has a story to tell, and we give him that. And then we had the attorney on, Susan Swift, from California, constitutional attorney, had her on twice, once before Roe v. Wade's opinion came out, and then shortly after it happened, in fact, just minutes after it came out Friday, she came back to explain stuff there. Grab a couple of shows that have those in there in other interviews. Congressman Mike Johnson, he comes by fairly regularly. Every few weeks, he'll come in and spend 15, 20, 30 minutes with us. 
getting the opinions of other people, especially people that are involved in all of these things directly, it gives you a better, most reliable, much more reliable opinion, giving you facts on which you make your own opinions made. Um, you're better equipped to make right choices when you have to make choices. That's what this is all about. There are still some things, some bad things going on in healthcare world. Guess what popped out yesterday? The CDC confirmed in late 2021 that a person died from blood clotting after getting a COVID-19 vaccine that had been linked with an increased clotting risk, but the CDC had not alerted the public for two weeks. And if they had, this person got this vaccination after the CDC got the report about the possible clotting problem. They didn't report it to anybody. This person probably wouldn't have taken the vaccination and then wouldn't have died. Dr. Sham, uh, Tom Shimabukuro, a CDC official, told colleagues at the CDC and the FDA on December 2nd, 2021, quote, we have confirmed a ninth TTS death following Janssen vaccination. That's according to emails through a Freedom of Information Act request. TTS refers to thrombosis with thrombocytopenia syndrome, a condition that features low platelet levels combined with blood clots. Officials had recommended a nationwide pause on the administration of the vax that was produced by Johnson & Johnson in April of 2021 after six women experienced TTS after Johnson & Johnson vaccination. Three of them died, but they lifted the pause after determining the vaccine remained safe and effective. Now, let me ask you this. How does anybody make this conclusion that oh, th just three people died? Six people got it, but only three of them died. So that means it's okay. Those were just kind of one-offs. Those things don't really, really happen. This is the medical bureaucracy in which we live with right now where this kind of stuff is not only allowed it's kind of like oh um, no big deal three people died because we got that vaccine out there we sold it to the American public then nobody's going to have any problems think about that for a moment just when you think COVID's gone and we don't have to even think about it anymore something comes up like this 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 that came up just a minute ago, it's, it's really hard to believe. Democrats, everybody probably knows, they've held Oregon's gubernatorial office since way back in the previous century. But now with the party, the Democrat Party, deeply unpopular in Oregon and a duo of competitive challengers, it looks like Democrats' hold on the governorship there may change in November. According to polls, the race for governor there is neck and neck coming out of Nelson Research. Former House Minority Leader Republican Christine Drazen stands at just under 30%, and former Democrat House Speaker Tina Kotick at 28%, while independent Betsy Johnson lags behind at roughly 19%. The incumbent there, Kate Brown, 
she can't run again. After eight years as governor in Oregon, Brown is the least popular governor in the nation. That's according to a January 1st morning consult poll. During her tenure, Oregon has seen increasing rates of homelessness and crime, which along with poor government leadership constitute the top three issues for Oregon's voters. In 2021, Portland alone witnessed 92 murders, an all-time record and stark increase from 36 in the previous year. But Brown nonetheless touts a lenient approach to crime. In April, she granted clemency to a murderer serving life without parole for the cold-blooded killing of a teenager. And during rights in Portland in July of 2020, she criticized Trump for sending in federal agents to protect that federal courthouse as local and state police stood by. Her approval has been particularly lackluster in more rural counties east of the Cascade Mountains, nine of which have actually voted to leave Oregon to form Greater Idaho. Think about how bad leadership must be for a big chunk of your state, the people there wanting to leave and create another state of their own because you're such a poor leader. Wouldn't it be interesting? Everybody, we just all assume that all the the way West states are going to vote Democrat, they're hard leftist, Washington, Oregon, and California. And we, we just continue to think that. And now when you look at this particular election coming up in November and two conservatives are tied for the lead to be the next governor there, things are changing, folks. People aren't just sitting back and taking all this crap that we don't need. And right here in my own state, this happened yesterday. The Supreme Court yesterday, they ruled to restore Republican-drawn lines in Louisiana ahead of the midterms as Democrats pushed to create a second black majority district. Now listen to this. The court issued an order that restored a congressional voting map that a federal judge said disenfranchised black voters. Justices Stephen Breyer, Sonia Sotomayor, and Elena Kagan would have denied the application for a stay. The high court issued the stay and said it would wait to act until it hears a similar dispute playing out in Alabama that's going to be argued in the next Supreme Court term. The court ruled 5-4 to in February to allow the Alabama congressional map to remain in place until arguments are heard. Louisiana only has six congressional districts, recently created a new voting map in which one district had a black voter majority despite a third of the state's population being black. Our governor, John Bell Edwards, is a Democrat. He vetoed the map in March, saying it was unfair, but then his veto got overturned by the legislature. Federal Judge Shelley D. Dick ruled the map violated the Voting Rights Act because the map allegedly put black voters in one area and said legislators must create a second majority black district. Our Attorney General, Jeff Landry, he argued that the state could not redraw the congressional map to create two black majority districts without segregating the races for the purpose of voting. It's impossible, he said to draw a map 
without prioritizing race as the predominant factor in order to generate a second majority minority district, which federal courts have cautioned Louisiana not to do in the past. The suit was brought in part by Elias Law Group, who represented a group of Louisiana voters arguing the redistricting violated Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act. Firm has done work for the Democrat Party, oh ho ho, which led efforts to redraw congressional districts in both New York and Maryland that were alleged to be gerrymandered. That's according to the Washington Free Beacon. Partner in the firm, Mark Elias, accused Republicans of gerrymandering and tried to block newly drawn maps in North Carolina and Ohio, claiming they're unfair for Democrats. Elias was sanctioned for violating ethics rules in a Texas voting lawsuit in 2021. Molly Hemingway. You read stories posted here by Molly Hemingway of the Federalist. She's editor-in-chief there. She called Elias the big dim election fixer in a tweet in May regarding one mail-in ballot dispute. And there's big news coming out of our military. Not good either. In the middle of the first conventional war in Europe since 1945 and China's massive military buildup, including nukes, our military is experiencing a big drop in its warfighting capability. The U.S. Army, the biggest service, has only reached 40% of its recruiting goal, which is more than three months remaining in the fiscal year. Our military decay is going to continue. There's just no way it's going to turn around under Joe Biden's disastrous anti-leadership and likely will take many years of concerted effort to reverse. Further, combined with the chaotic defeat in Afghanistan, America's ability to deter its enemies from taking hostile action, it's at a low that we've not seen since the late 70s making a major war for us more likely. There are three growing signs of trouble, an alarming collapse in recruiting, a profoundly unserious national security leadership, and weakness in the military supply chain and uh, and uh, procurement. The military is facing its most severe staffing crisis since the advent of the all-volunteer force in 1973. It's just amazing. Look, this, this wasn't happening a year and a half ago. That's the part that just amazes me. I would have thought with the policies that were implemented with Donald Trump when he came in, the legislation that was implemented by Congress, signed into law during Trump's four years, would have been plenty would have been plenty just to keep our military getting bigger and stronger and better and better, which it was. All the experts said the Obama-Biden eight years just detoothed our entire military. Thankfully, the U.S. Congress allocated the funds that were necessary to rebuild the infrastructure sufficient to attract new recruits in all branches of our military and go back to the to the wall where we were having everything we needed to fight any potential foreign foe. Nobody should be surprised that with Joe Biden in the White House, all he did was perpetuate 
the Obama years when they did the same thing. They just took the strength, the power, and the backbone out of the U.S. military. It's a sad state of affairs, but it's the one that we're living in. Hey, listen, thank you for being here. We can see the weekend, Thursday, Friday, just ahead. We've got a lot to talk about tomorrow. There's still some Supreme Court stuff that we expect is going to come out today. So hang tight. We'll have all the details about that. And of course, this is America. We know that every day there's going to be something new that comes out, things that are important that you need to know about. We'll have them all for you at truthnewsnet.org and here at TNN Live. We'll see you Thursday, tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. Don't miss it. Truth News Network, TNN Live. Have a great day. Your everlasting summer, you can see it fading fast. So you grab a piece of something that you think is going to last. Well, you wouldn't even know a diamond if you held it in your hand. The things you think are precious, I can't understand. Are you reeling in the years? Stowing away the time. Are you gathering up the tears? Have you had enough of mine? Are you reeling in the years? Stowing away the time. Are you gathering up the tears? Have you had enough of mine? You've been telling me you're a genius since you were 17. In all the time I've known you, I still don't know what you mean. I can't understand Are you reeling in the years Stowing away the time Are you gathering up the tears Have you had enough of mine Are you reeling in the years Stowing away the time Are you gathering up the tears Have you had enough of mine
never had enough of my